Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Awakening to the Voice of Gaia. I'm Catherine Alexander, and I'm so happy to have you here. I'm going to take you on an amazing journey where you will learn how to come home and how to become a partner to life. Healing the centuries-old wound of separation is not an easy thing, but it can be achieved in seconds. First comes understanding and then the breaking of old habit patterns. Understanding is an inside job. Breaking patterns takes community. I'll be sharing my story and the resources that got me here. And you are welcome to come back and visit at any time. If you want to go deeper then joining the third way community as you learn to live regeneratively would be a good thing. The shift is as easy as shifting from living on the planet to living with the planet easy to say and much harder to do. Life loves life, so there is nothing to fear, just old patterns to change. <laughs> so join me as we explore the wonderful, amazing biology of life and how that changes everything. So here we go. So here we are in overshoot. What does that mean? Means we're screwed. <laughs> and the question is then now what? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. What does overshoot mean? How do we know we're in overshoot? And now what? So our resource use, and you may have heard this before, it would take five planets to actually keep us living the way we're living now with our current standard of living. And that may be confusing. At least it was to me. I didn't quite get what that meant. I mean, if we're using five planets, we'd only have one planet. How can we use five planets? And what we're doing is we're robbing everybody else. So we're taking all the resources that other life forms would need and killing them and using their resources. That's basically what we're doing. So we have been eliminating the resources for all of the 67% of the animals that have died since the 70s. Uh, that's a 67% of the diversity on the planet has disappeared. We're using the mineral resources. We're using the water resources, all of that. We're taking it away from others. That's how we get it. We're not taking our fair share. We're taking five times our fair share. And that's why, that's where the five planets come from. And that's why it's not sustainable. And that's why we're in overshoot. So what is overshoot? So this comes from uh, the Swedish Center for um, Regeneration. And they got together with a bunch of scientists and they looked at how do we know we're an overshoot? I mean, what, what does it take for the earth to be healthy? What are the areas that absolutely have to be functioning well for the planet to be healthy? And they came up with nine. So the nine are climate change, a thing called novel entities. I'll talk about that in a minute. The stratosphere and ozone, 
atmospheric aerosol loading, which is um, uh, aerosols, basically. Um, ocean acidification, biochemical flows, and what this means is phosphorus and nitrogen, freshwater use, land system change, and biosphere integrity, which is where we get diversity. So you can see the planet as a globe divided in nine ways by these things. And so we are, they put a circle around the globe that says this is okay. And anything outside of that circle in terms of use is an overshoot basically. So we have a small overshoot, and notice it's small, for climate change. Um, when they did this, uh, there was no novel entities. There was no ozone depletion. That's fine because the ozone hole seems to be closing. That's changed. Um, there was no atmospheric loading. Uh, there was no ocean acidification. Biochemical flows, we were way out of whack. So we have incredibly more nitrogen and a lot more phosphorus than we need. Where does that come from? We'll talk about that in a minute. Fresh water, they said was fine. Land systems change, we were starting to push on that. Uh, that is an overshoot. It, it wasn't huge at the time. And the biodiversity, biosphere integrity, we were losing huge amounts of animals, but they hadn't really felt that we were losing functional degradation yet. So they were saying that we are over in five areas. Well, four areas, nit nitrogen and phosphorus are one. So four areas out of nine. Okay, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Just wait. So in 2021, they increased climate change. They increased biodiversity. They added fresh water as an overshoot. They increased biochemical flows. They added ocean acidification. So now we're not at five, we're at seven out of nine. But wait, there's more. So now they have added novel entities. And that means all the plastic in the ocean. So we're now at seven out of nine. Doesn't sound so good, does it? What it is showing is that all of these things are interrelated and that even if we change the climate, we have all these other things to deal with. The climate does impact some of those things. When things get hotter, things die. That's true. But the ocean acidification is not going to change even if we get cooler. 
we're still going to have to deal with the chemicals in the soil, the phosphorus, phosphorus and nitrogen. And I don't know that they've really talked about chemical pollutants, which are everywhere. We now have microplastics in all of our bodies. In newborn babies, they are born with microplastics. They have chemicals in their bodies, newborn babies. We wonder why our children are so strange, why they're being born with defects and with cancer and with gender issues when we see these exact same things in animals um, who are ingesting the poisoned water that has the benefits of the chemicals that we excrete, get into the water system, don't disappear, and are changing the gender of fish and salamanders and other things. So why wouldn't it do that to humans? That's not even on here. We have so messed with the planet that it is really not just, we have to make way bigger changes than just harboring carbon, just putting carbon into the ground. That's gonna be helpful, absolutely, but it is not gonna be enough to get us out of this mess. And we're not gonna get out of this mess very quickly. It's taken us about 200 years to get in it. And it's gonna take way longer to get out of it. Once a species is extinct, it's gone. It's not coming back. We'll get new species, absolutely. But how long? How, for much, how much time is it going to take for those new species to actually appear on Earth? We've lost ice. That ice was millions of years old. It's not coming back. It took a million years to put it down. It's not going to be around for a while. So some of these changes are so permanent. We're not going back. It's never, ever going to be as cold on the planet as it has been. That doesn't mean necessarily that we're dead, but it certainly, it certainly means that we're in very serious trouble. And one of the biggest culprits is agriculture. So agriculture is responsible for most of the biochemical flows. Agriculture is responsible for most of the freshwater depletion. Agriculture is responsible for most of the land system change. Agriculture is responsible for a great deal of the climate change. If we had one lever to pull, that would be agriculture. We know how to do this. We have to go back to small farmers. We have to go back to no chemicals. We have to go back to no till. We have to really start looking at how we can work with the planet and not against it, not forcing it to be better than it's been. That's not the appropriate thing. It's forcing it to be as good as it can be, <laughs> supporting it to be as good as it can be. That's where we need to be. That's the change. This is huge, folks. It's really, it's not small by any means. And it's not going to happen overnight. But I don't want it to seem inordinately overwhelming. What I want us to do is to begin to see how we can contribute. You may not be farmers, but you can stop putting chemicals on the land that you have control over. That's one place you can start get rid of them all. You really don't need them. There are other ways to support the plants to health. And if you do that, 
you don't need those chemicals and you'll lose use less water as well. So we really need to think about that. Heat has a huge impact on this planet and that's what we're starting to see. When things we've, the ocean has absorbed a lot of the heat that we've built up over the years and it's now done. It can't take any more absorbing, but it's still going to get warmer. And as it gets warmer, all the plants, all the fish, all the corals that have adjusted to the current temperature frames will die. Some of them will be able to respond and be able to shift to, to more warmer temperatures. We, are, us humans, are actually doing that already. Some of us have changed our body temperature from 98.6 to 97.6. And your body's doing it. You don't need to do anything about it. The body understands where we are, even if our minds don't. And the same is true with the rest of the living things on earth. They're all adjusting as best they can. Some will adjust better than others. But the warmer waters have a huge impact on our weather and on the temperatures on land. Deep water is cold. Deep water is salty. And it pushes down and around. And the warm water comes up to the surface. And so when the warm water goes by land masses, it warms it. And the deep water, when it goes by land masses, cools it. But as that warm water gets let, gets more warm, <laughs> land water will be, or land masses will become more warm as well. As the deep water becomes warmer, it's no longer so deep. So it's not really churning up the water from the oceans. It's not getting that bottom water up. And that's going to have other consequences that we don't truly understand at this point. But certainly the sediment down there will become heavier. Um, it won't be churned up and mixed with the rest of the water as it used to be. So this is one of the ways that water makes a difference in our temperature. But there's more to it than that. Water, the water cycle that we know about is rain falls on the land, it goes into streams, goes into the ocean, it evaporates, it goes into clouds, and it falls on the land. That's the picture that we're usually given for the water cycle. What has been totally left out is the role of plants, trees in particular, but all plants, because all plants take in water and they release water from their leaves. That released water goes into clouds. When you have a bunch of plants together in a forest, then those plants and trees again in particular can release enough water to actually create clouds in that forest. And you've seen pictures of them, it's lovely. Those clouds float along and then they drop their water in the forest again. So the forest makes its own climate, creates its own water, and those air currents and that atmospheric stuff doesn't just stay there. It floats <laughs> into the rest of the world as well. So the Amazon 
keeps Texas wet. As the Amazon has dried up, so has Texas. We are so connected. The airflow and the water flow, those currents, and they've been stable for 12 million years. And now they're not stable. So we can't predict what's going to happen. There's no way of knowing that. We understand this. But trees, and particularly forests, now become so much more important than they've ever been before. And we can do something about that. We can plant many forests. We absolutely can. There's a whole book about it, Mini Forest Revolution by Hannah Lewis. We're planting trees, and that's great, but it's not sufficient because trees need an ecosystem to be resilient. That's what keeps them all resilient. It's not an individual plant. It's the cooperation of all of the plants around it, the forest, the ecosystem, that makes for resilience. So we need to begin to plant forests, not just trees. If we can do enough of that, we can have an impact on the amount of heating the planet goes through. So we have things we can do. It's not outside of our purview, but it does take a large effort. But there are things that you can do. You can start planting original plants, not things that are imported from China and Holland and other places around the world but plants from this place where you live. Those plants are more resilient. Those plants will begin to form ecosystems if you plant enough different varieties of things that work together. That's something you can do on your piece of property. You can work with parks and recreation in your city to do the same kind of thing. We need to think about plants in a much more strategic way than we have before. The other issue, though, is that if you think about plants, you also have to think about soil because you're not just putting plants down in dirt. It doesn't work. You have to remediate the soil. You have to add matter to the soil. Compost. This is something you can do, too. You can compost. You can begin to collect degrading humus and put it on your soil so that it, too, will live. When it lives, it holds life and it holds water. So the plants that you plant have a better chance through drought. The water that you have, or water that you put on the soil, water that comes down from the sky on the soil, has a better chance of staying in the soil and going deeper into aquifers if you have it, or to puddle underneath the ground and flow off into rivers. But it keeps water in your place. And if you do it well, you can really go through a lot of droughts with just what you have. But you have to have live soil and you have to have an ecosystem of plants that work together, that are become resilient together. So this takes a little research. We kind of believe that technology is going to save us, that somehow or other, we're going to engineer the earth in some sort of way. We're going to sprinkle something that will stop all the sunlight from disappearing or coming down and heating us up. We will figure out ways to take carbon out of the air and that will save us. It is not enough. <laughs> 
we believe that if we just move to where it's cooler, we'll be okay. That's not enough because no place is going to be as cool as it is now. And the economic growth is still possible. Economic growth is not possible with the current system that we have. Why? Because the economic system that we currently have requires additional natural resources to produce goods and services, and we're running out of those. We do not have enough to continue the way we're going. So we cannot keep the same economic model that we've been using. That economic model is what is destroying the earth. We kind of know this, but we need jerk back into, oh, we just have to make stuff differently. If we keep making more stuff, but make more stuff differently, we'll be okay. No, we're going to have to stop making stuff in the way we're making it. We can hand make it. That puts us back into the cycle, but we cannot manufacture it in the way we're doing now and continue we will destroy ourselves. The manufacturing in the way we know it has to cease. It's not just oil and gas. There are so many changes that need to happen to put us back into earth cycles. We cannot use things up faster than they're reproduced, period. We just cannot afford to do that any longer. That means to stop buying. It means to stop growing in the way we know it. We think of growth as bigger and more instead of becoming more skilled, more complex, more elegant. We can do complex and elegant. We can't do bigger and more. That has to stop. We don't want more. We want to use less, way less than what we're using now. So we repair instead of throwing away. This whole throwaway culture that we're so inured to has got to go. You can't use things once. You have to reuse them as many times as possible. And when you can't reuse them, they have to go back into the earth. They have to be decomposable totally so the earth can reuse them. We are a closed system on this planet. Nothing new comes here except energy from the sun. And with energy from the sun, we make everything else we have. And we are so wasteful. We burn up everything that we don't know what to do with. We create things that don't disappear at all, that stay for tens and, and hundreds of years. We can't do that. Earth cannot afford it. She has to keep reusing everything on this planet. That includes us. We don't go into metal um, walnut crypts and metal or cement containers in the ground. We go into the ground so that the earth can reuse our resources for the next level of life. We have to stop all that. We have to stop withholding from the planet. This is from Joe Brewer, this graph, and it's the arc of transformation to regenerative living. And he suggests that you make small changes, gain a deeper awareness, maybe a growing discomfort at the difference between what is required and what we're doing. You make a bigger change, 
and then transformation begins. But at the same time as transformation begins, we're going to experience chaotic instabilities. Some of them will be good and some of them will be bad. Joe Brewer, by the way, has a uh, web location called Earth Regenerators. Joe Brewer is all about action. And he is truly regenerating the earth very specifically. He is making waters run, rivers run, again, have dried up. He is looking at transforming bioregions to be healthy ecosystems. So if you want to do something and you have that passion for action and you're young enough <laughs> to not be tied down by debt and to have lots of body energy, then Joe Brewer is a wonderful person to connect with and play with. He's doing amazing work and it's incredibly satisfying to know and to be able to see the results of your labor, to see the earth change because of the care you've given it. Michael Dowd is another resource. Michael Dowd's on the web as well. And Michael Dowd is pretty much about adjusting to the horrificness of it. Um, he has a thing called post-doom. He's very optimistic. Uh, well, I, he's upbeat. I don't know about optimistic. He's upbeat. Um, he's uh, a minister. He's wonderful. Uh, he has been talking about evolution and regeneration for decades. And he comes out of a fundamentalist background and he's helping fundamentalist people understand where we are and that evolution and regeneration are real things. He's a wonderful person to connect with. Jeremy Lent is another one. Jeremy's got two great books out, Patterning Instinct, which is the history of men's search for meaning and uh, the web of meaning where he's beginning to look at ecology and he's got a new one coming out, the ecology uh, culture, I believe, something like that. Um, and Jeremy is more Buddhist and spiritually oriented. He's really working at change your belief system level. And he, it's a wonderful group. It's very intellectual. It's also highly spiritual. Like I said, he has a very Buddhist bent. So I strongly recommend Joe, uh, Jeremy Lent. And his uh, website is Deep Transformation. But I am recommending my website, The Third Way, because it is about a change of belief. We absolutely have to better understand how we're seated in the earth. We have to stop thinking that we're separate. We have to experience emotionally that we're connected. But we also have to act. And so living regeneratively, what does that mean? And how do we do that? And for me, that has become listening to what, how the planet has been able to keep life thriving on this wonderful blue globe of ours for 65 million years or so. I guess life has actually been here for 3.5 billion, but the more complex life is 65 billion. That's a long time. She's also kept the percentage of oxygen stable for 65 million years. That's pretty tricky too, isn't it? And that's because everything has cooperated to make that happen. And we are the first species to begin to upset that. So the third way is all about learning how we're integrated to the earth, which is what this podcast is all about. 
And then what kind of actions can we take? And there are lots of them. Some of them are easier than others, but everybody can do something to make this change. And if everybody did, we might actually make this change. That's how we got into this problem was everybody made different choices. So we're just asking those same everybody's to change their mind and do things differently. So what to do? You can learn to see the world through Gaia's eyes. Okay, and the third way is a way to, to learn to do that. Learn to listen to her voice. Certainly meditation and intuition are two tools that really help you do that. Learn how to make dirt soil. There are lots of simple and some more complicated ways that speed things up if you really want to do it. And this is also a career opportunity. I talked earlier about agriculture. Well, if you really want to make dirt soil, and if you really want to help agriculture, then the Soil Food Web is a school that will teach you how to do that and help you become a consultant to farmers and agriculture to help them make that change. Permaculture, understanding permaculture is another tool that helps you do that. And if you don't want to go that deeply, but still want to help, you can generate edible landscapes in your local place, wherever you are. Beginning to plant in public places for public consumption in a way that changes dirt to soil, partnering with people who have water so you don't have to schlep water, but you can plant and educate people and feed them at the same time and improve the soil while you're doing it. You can plant forests, the mini forest revolution by Hannah Lewis. I mentioned that earlier. You can do that in your locale. You can do that in your backyard. It only takes, your, you only need as much space as six parking spaces. So six cars, two, four, six, that's not a lot of land. A lot of backyards are just that. You can plant a mini forest in your backyard. Learn your watershed. What watershed do you live in? What are the names of the streams and rivers in your watershed? What is your bioregion? What's happening in your bioregion? Are people starting to wake up where you are and starting to really look at how they can impact the bioregion? It is happening all over the world. And Joe Brewer has been traveling all over the world and all over the United States to talk to different regions about what they can do and how they can do it. Permaculture, again, food forests, soil remediation, learning how to feed your aquifer if you have one. Again, that takes living soil to feed your aquifer. You can stop buying stuff. Learn a craft and trade with friends. There's so much we can make ourselves, and it's so satisfying to do. You know, when we make things, we really want it to be a quality product. It reflects us and it reflects our work. We want to be proud of it. We put design into it. We make it beautiful. We make it useful. We make it long lasting. When we got into manufacturing, we gave all that up. The plant doesn't care about each product. The plant only cares about how many of those products it makes. And that's drastically changed our culture. We need to get back to knowing what we can do, that we are resilient, that we have capabilities, that we contribute, 
and love the products that we produce. So learn a craft. There's millions of them out there. Everyone is needed and it's gonna be needed more as we go forward. So now's a good time to start. And if you're really interested in the climate, I wanna recommend American Resiliency. It's also on the web. It's Dr. Emily Shorning. I'm on her board. She is an amazing woman. She is hilarious to listen to. She's got a great attitude and she does have an attitude. But she talks about building resiliency in place. And the key to that is community. And the second key to that is water. Her whole shtick is looking at weather worldwide. So she, in her YouTube channel, has videos that talk about the weather in certain places. She's done all 50 states. She shows you how to get information for your locale, how to know what changes you're going to look for between now and 2050 and what you should do about it. Now, sometimes she does suggest that maybe you should move and she will tell you places where it's more likely to have fewer changes than others. But you have to also understand that those changes won't hold everybody. So it's a good thing to think about building resiliency in place where you are. Because it's people that are going to make the difference. It's not just weather. It's how you and your neighbors are going to respond to that. So really knowing your neighbors, that takes time. And being, having time means staying in one place for a long time so that you do get to know people. So she's a wonderful resource to listen to and to discover um, where you can go and what you can do. Become a member of The Third Way. Join us. We're at community.living-regeneratively.world. Join us. And we, as we explore, everybody's different. Everybody's going to learn differently. We are an overshoot. We don't have as much stuff. We don't have as many resources as we used to have. And we have to learn to do less. We have to slow down our life. We have to enrich our life. We have to grow deeply instead of big and wide. We have to become more resilient, more clever, more skilled at doing things that we haven't had to do before but we will need to do in the not too distant future. So now's the time to begin to gain those skills. I hope this hasn't been too depressing. We're in for a real shakeup and the shakeup is coming. You know, you don't have to believe it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. The earth is on her way. She is taking care of life. She is making sure that life continues and we are destroying life. So until we become a partner, we're part of that destructive destruction that she's seeking. However, that's not who we are, and that's not her relationship to us. I talked a little bit about it in the last two podcasts on autopoiesis, world making and human making, and I'll talk more about it. But we do have to change. We do have to do things differently. And we have to understand our world differently so that the changes we make are helpful, not destructive. Talk to you soon.
So thanks for listening. I so appreciate your joining me on this journey. To go deeper, check out the Third Way community. The link is on the podcast page and on my own webpage, and you can see it right here. My own webpage is bridgetopartnership.com. You can support my work through donations on my podcast webpage or by joining my Patreon page. I am open to questions and messages, so please connect and be sure to leave your name so that I can reference you when I respond. It's the new Mother Nature taking over. It's the new Mother Nature taking over.